Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Don't Mute Me Show podcast. I have missed you all so, so much. As Mace is saying, welcome back. It's been almost three months now. Summer's winding down. Had to take a little summer vacation, but we are back. I am the man you love to love, the man you love to hate, Michael Mack. Tickling your eardrums once again on the Don't Mute Me Show podcast. As always, follow the show on Twitter at Don't Mute Me Show. iTunes, Don't Mute Me Show podcast. We are back, baby. Now we're going to get in to everything Indiana sports. A quick jump start. A lot of things have happened in the past few months. Mostly negative for indie sports fans. Some positive but mostly negative. Let's start off with the Indiana Pacers. Oh, the Pacers. I believe I told you when we last spoke that Paul George would be traded this offseason. That was the last time you were going to see Paul George in a Pacers uniform. And I was correct. Now, I thought he was going to force his way to the Lakers. That didn't happen, but he is out of Indiana. Mostly because of him, because he wanted out. He told everybody he wanted out. So the Pacers were handcuffed in a position where they really didn't have too, too much leverage. They had a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA. Doesn't like Indiana, doesn't like where the team's going, doesn't like the pieces around him. Had one year left on his contract, didn't get the, the first team All-NBA designation he was looking for for the ultra super mega whatever you want to call it contract he could have gotten so basically comes out to the public and says that he's out wants to go to LA and the Pacers according to everything that we've heard now again there's always three sides to every story his side her side and somewhere in the middle is the truth now the Pacers will tell you that they spoke with Paul a couple days before that they met with them, Herb Simon met with them, that they had established that this, this year they were going to go in, they were going to try to put some pieces around him, hopefully have a good season, then convince him to stay in the offseason, that they knew that a, a max contract extension was always available to Paul to sign whenever he wanted. Paul agreed. He liked the position they were going moving forward. And then, lo and behold, about a week later, Paul comes out with those public comments and then all hell breaks loose with inside the Pacers organization. They end up trading him to Oklahoma City, pairing him with Russell Westbrook, which I think would be a good fit. I like to think of Paul, he's like a good number two. I don't think he's a number one alpha male type like a Russell Westbrook, a LeBron, a Kobe. You know, those kind of guys that can lead a team, want the ball, uh, demand things, will get in your face, that sort of mentality. So that actually could be a pretty good fit. You know, all the focus on Russell Westbrook and what he does day in, day out, how hard he plays. And Paul can kind of be that um, Robin in the Batman and Robin duo role, which might be good for him. I don't think Paul, I think he enjoys the spotlight, but I don't think he wants to lead in the spotlight, if that makes sense. And Paul's act kind of got tiresome here in Indy. It didn't look like he played hard a lot. Uh, didn't look like a lot of the Pacers played hard. So, I do think the Pacers will obviously take a step back. Got Victor Oladipo, 
the younger Sabonis. Um, you know, hopefully they play hard. The Pacers fans deserve that. Seems like the Pacers teams in the past couple of years have been lazy. Seem to be going through the motions. They should have been a lot better than what they were. All of a sudden, it took Lance Stevenson coming back to somehow get them to ramp it up a notch on the effort level. And you shouldn't have to do that. These are paid professionals. They're getting paid lots of money. They should be able to come out 82 games a year and bring maximum effort. Um, I don't want to hear these back-to-back -back games. These guys are flying uh, first class. You know, they're, uh, they've got their own team chartered flights. Um, you know, they're playing cards. They can have some beers. They can have snacks on the planes. This isn't like the old days where they're flying commercial, waiting at the gates, waiting through, um, you know, delays in a terminal or anything like that. They literally walk out onto the plane and they're on their way. So they stay in the five-star five hotels like a Conrad downtown. They stay in those types of hotels wherever they play. So these guys are well taken care of. Top-notch medical staffs, masseuses, chiropractors, whatever they need. So they, you know, fans pay good, good money for tickets. They deserve maximum effort. So I'm hoping that while the win total I don't think will be as good as last year, I'm hoping that the effort will at least be there at least at least give that to the Pacers fans they deserve that they deserve some good news lately they've hung in there with this team they've hung in there with Paul he just couldn't deliver and so I'm hoping for the best for the Pacers organization we'll see how that goes but as we all know it's now football season you know this is the first weekend of college games I believe the NFL starts next weekend and I want to dip into the Colts Colts have had a crazy offseason as well. It's been not good, as I said, mostly negative for indie sports fans. Pacers, tough offseason. Colts, tough offseason. The Riddler, Chuck Pagano, continues to dance around questions about Andrew Luck's arm. Claims he hasn't seen him throw. Luck is still on the pup list, which means he can't throw to teammates in practice. He can only throw with staff, managers, things like that, um, after practice, things of that nature. Pagano, the Riddler, continues to dance around. Will he be ready? Jim Irsay continues to dance around that as well. I'm just going to, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for all you out there. Luck's not playing week one. I doubt he plays week two. Um, you know, what I would do personally, if he's still not right from listening to JMV and all the local guys that are somewhat a little bit more in tune inside the building, Luck is um, lightly tossing up to 30 yards right now. But again, that's um, you and I throwing light fade patterns in the backyard. Anybody with somewhat of an arm can do that right now. You and I can go in the backyard and do that. That's not good. That's not a good sign. What I would do is I would start Luck on the pup list. And the designation would be that he's ineligible to return until after week six. So start him on the pup list. That way you don't have to answer any more questions on when he's going to be back. You let him fully heal. Let him fully rehab. He'll be in the building. He'll still be attending all the meetings and whatnot. But he needs to get that shoulder right. There's no sense on trotting him out there at 80%, 90%. That labrum surgery tear or whatever he had is a big-time injury. Drew Brees had it. Uh, Cam Newton had similar surgery. You've got to get that 100% right. You've got to get the muscles working again. And what that labrum tear does is when, it, when you hurt it, it's kind of a clicking, popping sound when you throw it overhand. 
Uh, a lot of quarterbacks get it. Basically, you land wrong on it. Uh, big lineman sacks you. Um, sometimes when you try to brace yourself on a fall and you land on it, it can pop in and out. And the danger is if you don't let it rehab fully, the shoulder can come in and out of socket, can dislocate much, much easier if you don't strengthen those tendons, strengthen those shoulder muscles around his arm. So what you don't want is Luck's arm going in and out of socket because you didn't let him rehab it enough. I don't know why the Colts continue to dance around like Luck could still be available for week one. He's not going to play week one. At earliest, I see week three against the Browns would be a great game for him to come back with. The Browns are not very good. Could be a good game for him to get his feet back underneath them, um, kind of get the flow of the offense, the rhythm with the receivers. But I would just put him on the pup list. Have him sit out the first six games. I know that's not what Colts fans want to hear. But again, this is the team. This is your asset. There's nobody really else around him worth as much to any other team in the league. Aaron Rodgers is up there, obviously. Um, there's very few quarterbacks that can take a team from five wins to 11 wins just by being in the lineup. Andrew Luck is one of those guys. So I say put him on the pup list. Have him sit out the first six games. You don't have to answer questions. Now, the Colts will take their lumps. I personally think Stephen Morris should be starting over Tolzien. I'm not quite sure why they continue to go with Scott Tolzien. Maybe it's a money issue. Maybe justifying paying him that amount of money. Whatever it may be. But I'm putting in Morris. He moves around the pocket better. He just is a guy that makes plays. He's a gamer. You know, there's certain guys when a play breaks down can scramble and then get a first down, either throwing, running, however it may be. Um, there's just certain guys you can't teach those sorts of things. And so it'll be interesting to see what the Colts do. It's been a tough, tough offseason. But I say rest Andrew Luck at least six weeks for the pup list. Get him fully back. Get him fully healthy. And then try to salvage. If you can go three and three in those first six games, that's a win. You get Luck back. You still have ten games left. You know, you could still get um, somewhere around that 8, 9, 10 win mark, which I think can get you in the playoffs in the AFC. May win the division. The Texans, you know, still a quarterback away. Deshaun Watson looks like he may get the nod, possibly. He's a rookie. Jacksonville's a train wreck. Blake Bortles is still the quarterback there. They're not going to do much, though they do have um, Fournette from LSU coming in. But again, he can't do it by himself without a good quarterback. Teams will just stack the box and shut that down. Team to look out for is Tennessee. Offensively, they're loaded. Mariota, I think, continues to improve. I'm hoping he does. He's my quarterback on my fantasy team, so I'm hoping he has a big year. They've got a lot of offensive weapons around him. Good tight end in Delaney Walker. We'll see how the defense can hold up. I know the back end of the defense is not very good, but offensively, they can score with anybody. So we'll see. You know, the Colts are down. Vontae Davis for probably half the season, if not more. Ryan Kelly's going to start on the pup list. He's probably gone for almost half the season. So it's just not looking really good for the Colts. And again, this all stems from Jim Irsay hiring Ryan Grigson. Pretty much Ballard had to come in demolish the whole roster. So that's going to be a two- to three-year process before you could turn that roster over and get some quality individuals in here to build around Andrew Luck. But again, he's not getting any younger. That's a dangerous surgery to have for a quarterback. So I'm hoping they let him rest Foley heel. I'm hoping Pagano doesn't trot him out there trying to save his job with wins. He doesn't need to do that. The Riddler just needs to put him on the pup list. Let him fully heal the first six weeks. Let him fully be ready. Even if he could come back weeks three, four, or five. 
There's no chance that the Colts are winning the Super Bowl this year. So let it make sure that he's 100, 110% where he can go out there. Because what you worry about, like I said, you rush him out there at 90, 95%. He gets hit, that shoulder pops back out of socket. And next thing you know, this season's lost. And you've got more issues to deal with in the offseason to have more surgeries to try to repair it again. And anytime you keep cutting open, the quarterback's shoulder, it's a dangerous thing because you just never know how that surgery is going to go. You never know how the tendons and muscles are going to strengthen. So again, I think more rest the better. I don't know why they keep trying to fool the fans into thinking he's playing week one. He's not starting the season. He's at best, I think, coming back week three, but I'm hoping they leave him out until at least after week six. Now let's get to college football. Big, big game tomorrow night. Thursday night, Hoosiers, Ohio State. Kevin Wilson, the Benedict Arnold, the forgotten son of Indiana, pushed out by you, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, he's gone. Urban Meyer picks him up, and you know Kevin Wilson. Does he seem like a, like a guy that's going to hold a grudge? Absolutely 100% yes. The old school mentality, the supposed making fun of players, um, in the training tent, whatever that may be, he's going to try to score 100. Now, I do think, shockingly, IU's defense isn't bad. They've got two All-American candidates, uh, Tigre, Scales, uh, Fant at the corner. They've got some good players on defense. Running back position is still a question mark. IU's been loaded there. They lost their running backs coach to USC. Can't fault the guy for going out west to L.A. USC program calls offers maybe some more money, get to live in Southern California, I'm probably going as well. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod at running back. I think offensive line-wise, they're, they're going to be losing Dan Feeney, a couple other guys that were solid, uh, but they should be solid up front. It'll come down to Richard Legault and, and his decision-making. Now, it still bothers me that he wears number 21. I've never seen a quarterback in college wear that number, but to each his own. I think... I believe this spread is 20 and a half plus 21 IU, depending on where you look. I think IU keeps it close, but the dangerous part is, is when it gets late. I think IU somewhere around the 17 to 20 point range for most of the game. It goes back and forth a little bit. I think Ohio State may get up early. Who knows? Maybe the crowd gets IU's defense to, to force a turnover. Again, Urban Meyer said this is the most talented team he's ever had at Ohio State. That's scary to think about. You know they're going to have track athletes all over the field. JT Barrett, who seems like he's been there eight years, is finally a senior. You know he's going to make good decisions. He can move out of the pocket. He can hurt you with his feet. That scares me as well. When the defense turns to cover these speedy receivers, they're 20, 30 yards downfield with their back to the quarterback. And next thing you know, JT Barrett takes off in the open field. I think IU could be in trouble then. So I would take... IU in the points, but I worry about a late score. You know, IU maybe down 17, uh, four minutes to go, Lego trying to throw the ball around, um, throws a pick six, throws an interception deep, you know, next play, Ohio State scores or something like that to cover the 21-point spread. But who knows? It'll be interesting. It's week one. You never know how teams are going to come out. Um, I like what the Big Ten is doing by putting some of these conference games first. I I like the Thursday night game. I, I don't like the Friday night games. Um, you know, call me a traditionalist. I think that's for high school football. I think communities rally around their local high school teams. Everybody knows that's the big event. It's a gathering. It can really pump up, especially the smaller communities. That's 
you know, the, the, the old um, Friday night lights where the stores closed down, everybody's at the big game, or they're traveling somewhere near to cheer on their local team. So I'm not sure I like the move to go to Friday night games. I understand money controls everything and all that with the TV contracts, but I am excited for tomorrow night. Should be a great atmosphere. I saw that pretty much most of the parking is sold out. $100 a spot, even the grass tailgate lot spots are, are sold out. So that's good news. I'm hopingly, hoping that there's a sellout. I'm hoping that there's more IU fans than Ohio State fans because you know they're going to bring a bunch to cheer on. I'm a big fan of Tom Allen. I like the energy he brings. He reminds me of a younger Terry Hepner. Seems to have bought into the program. Seems to be all in, so to speak, on uh, building it up, getting the trust of the teammates back on track, them to trust each other, you know, do your job, all that good stuff, whatever other cliches you want to use. Um, I just like the energy that he's brought to the team. And I'm hoping it carries over as he was the defensive coordinator last year. They really improved. I'm hoping now that he's kind of the head man over both sides of the ball that it elevates the team as a whole. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm rooting for the Hoosiers, Tom Allen. I'm hoping they put on a good show for everybody. And the other marquee game um, that I'm excited to watch, Alabama, Florida State. That's a doozy week one. Alabama number one, Florida State number three. Florida State getting seven points, which seems like a lot. That's hard to pick that one. Um, you know, Nick Saban's hard to go against, especially week one. But if there is a team that can match Alabama um, athletic-wise, you know, with athletes on the field, it's definitely Florida State. There's no shortage of talent on Jimbo Fisher's squad. Um, so that should be a great one as well. I encourage you all to watch that. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what my final four would be for the college football playoff. And I know of two right off the bat that come to mind. Ohio State, Alabama, I think, will be there. I do think that Bama wins against Florida State, but I think Florida State comes back and maybe runs the table after that and gets their way back into the Final Four. And then people like USC, I'm just not sure. Clay Helton, obviously they have Sam Darnold, uh, the Heisman front runner, but that doesn't usually seem to pan out. It seems like USC always slips up maybe somewhere mid-season. I'm not sure their strength of schedule is enough if they lose once um, to go past like a Florida State who will play Bama and things like that. So that's tough. Um, so I've got Ohio State, Alabama, and it's really hard to pick the other two. Usually there is a team uh, people have talked about. Uh, does the Big Ten get two teams in? People have talked about Wisconsin should be loaded. Their schedule is pretty easy. Who knows? Penn State with Trace McSorley, a quarterback. James Franklin with the big coaching extension. Uh, this offseason, he seems to have turned Penn State around and carried them to a new level that they haven't seen in a long, long time. So I'm only going to pick two out of the four. I've got Ohio State, Bama, I know. Uh, Ohio State, Bama, Florida State. And I'm having trouble picking the fourth one. Not quite sure yet, uh, but I'll go three out of four for right now. And uh, we'll see kind of how it shakes out. It's hard to kind of get um, a good read on it. So I want to kind of watch a couple other games before I kind of recommit here. I know that's kind of cheating. You're supposed to make your picks before the year. But again, I want to see, um, again, with Indiana teams, I think IU football should make a bowl game. Notre Dame will be very interesting to see what they do. Coming off a 4-8 and eight season, I think Brian Kelly is definitely on the hot seat. Definitely needs a big year. Be interested to watch Brandon Wimbush. 
Obviously, everybody looks like an all-pro in the offseason and the scrimmages. I like his arm. But again, you just never know. You get a quarterback running around a lot. There's a chance for injuries. Uh, Coach Kelly has said that he's focused more on getting back to the little things. Didn't have a lot of leadership last year. Not a lot of team cohesiveness. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, Purdue, I know, opens up with a big one against Louisville. I, I believe that's at Lucas Oil Stadium. The uh, Heisman winner. Uh, comes back and I think Purdue will be improved you got to give coach Brum some time I, I, that one could get ugly early um, Louisville's no joke Petrino he's an offensive genius if you will the guy puts up a ton of points wherever he goes uh, on the field so Purdue could be in trouble it'll be interesting to see how Purdue handles it um, I, I know they've got an experienced quarterback coming back they seem to have a good stable of running backs but you just never know it's in a coach's first year um, so it's hard to really say with his new staff and how they turn things around. So it'll be interesting to see. So I wanted to keep this one short and quick for everybody. Again, I've, I've missed you all. We are back. The Don't Mute Me show is back. Going to try to do it once a week. It's been far too long. I'm glad to get back in the swing of things. Football is back. Can't wait for fall weather. Get your hoodies ready, your sweatpants. Get ready for the red zone coming up in a week or two. Uh, the best way to watch the NFL games. So, um, again, I appreciate you listening. Appreciate the love and support. As always, you can follow the show at Don't Mute Me Show. iTunes, just search for Don't Mute Me. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. It'll automatically upload to your phone. Again, this is the best sports show you listen to. As always, peace and love. This is Michael Mack, the man you love to love, the man you love to hate. Welcome back. Glad to have you all back. Let's get it going. Happy college football and NFL football season. Drop me by three yards, and that's just the way it be.